Hey friends, welcome back to the, the Pulp to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study. This week we were in Exodus chapters 13 and 14, two wonderful chapters. We got to deal with some very practical truths, but truths that I think are foundational for the Christian life. And so I want you to listen to this. I hope it's encouragement to you. And I really believe that some of the basic principles that we're going to see in the Old Testament with Israel and Egypt are so practical for us today. So take a listen. Thank you for being a friend of the podcast. We're coming to the end of this year. And um, I may have some announcements coming up in a few weeks. I'm still thinking and praying about it. But thank you for always being a friend of the podcast and taking a listen. If you would, leave a review. Hits and uh, make sure you subscribe at bradmcclure.org. Without further ado, let's get into this week's Adult Bible Study. Let's go over to Exodus chapter 13 today. Exodus 13, we've been studying. I never know how to word it. I don't know if we're studying Moses. I don't know if we're studying Exodus because um, I've not necessarily been told. We're just like going through certain passages in the book of Exodus, but those certain passages happen to cover a lot of Moses's life as well. So, <clears throat> so we're covering this, continuing on. We've come to chapter 13, and you may remember that Israel has now been told to get out of Egypt. They, they, we don't want you here anymore because of the last plague, which was what? The death of that firstborn. And, that, and, and when all of those Egyptian homes were touched by the death of their firstborn, which you can imagine would be very difficult, Pharaoh said, get out. And now it's time. It's been now 10 plagues that they've endured, but he finally says, get out. But I love what one man said. I have no idea who this guy is, George Morrison, but I've heard this quote before. And I read it again this week in studying, and it, it, I wanted to start the class with it. But he said this. He said, it took one night to take Israel out of Egypt. But it's going to take 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. Now think about that for a second. In just one night, you can get two million people. We're going to get them out of there. But they are going to still have some of the struggles and troubles in that, what we would call today that flesh, that they learned in Egypt in those bad ways. And the same principle is true for us as we talk about that this is a true story, but it pictures, it's a metaphor, not a metaphor, but it's a picture of what has happened in our lives when we were in bondage to our sin. We were set free, not by Moses, but we were set free by Jesus Christ and his blood. But that flesh is still there, and there's a battle with that flesh. And in my Wednesday night series that I'm going to be starting uh, next week, as I told you about in our church, we're going to talk about the strategy of Satan and how Satan, what he tries to use, and one of them being our flesh, to try to get us to fail. And so though, yeah, it took one day to get out of Egypt, it's going to take about 40 years, and we're going to begin to see some of those signs today as they make their journey out of Egypt. And so we'll come back to that. But let's, let's start. We're going to pick up in chapter 13. I really just want to pick up in, in uh, verse 17. In the early verses, he's reminding them of the Passover and how to dedicate their firstborn and the firstborn of their lambs and their cattle and everything. But I want to really narrow down into verse 17 of chapter 13 and pick up there. It says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, 
and they returned to Egypt. But God, it reminds me I did a series on but God a few years ago in this Sunday school class, but it says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And so there was a straight path. If you were to leave Egypt to try to get to the promised land or where they're going, there's a straight path, point A, point B, the quickest and what would seem like the easiest way to get there. But that's not the path that God took. And this is a great passage. I really love this passage because this shows us two, two roles here. It shows us really what's our role is what we can see. We can often see what seems like the path of least resistance. And what the path that we need to take. But God who's sovereign looked down and said, I'm going to take them a long way around. Because God knows what's best. He knows what's ahead. God knows the, the difficulties that are coming. Now, some of us look at our life and say, well, if God knows the difficulties that could have come, what about these difficulties that I've been running into in my life? Well, I, I, it's hard to describe the sovereignty of God, but God knows what is best for us. And God is actually going to lead Israel into some difficult situations. He's going to take them on a detour, and he's going to take them on a dead end today. But both of those are going to be for their good. There's sometimes in our own lives, God takes us on some detours. We think, I thought this was the path to go, and I thought this was the correct way, and I thought this seems to be the easiest, and it makes most sense, but that's not the path that God's going to take you on. And you have to trust the hand of God. It, one of the foundational truths for us as Christians, one of the foundational principles is that we believe that we're to be led by the Spirit. We're to be led by God. But so often where our flesh, to stay in that context, struck fights is to just be led by our own common sense in our own mind. Because I can trust what my two eyes see over what faith cannot see sometimes. Because faith may lead me in this detour, but I don't know where it's going. I have to trust God. That's a big deal. But my eyes can see this way looks right. And so, so often I and we can choose the path that we can see. We walk by sight. And not by faith. But God was going to lead them in a different path. He wasn't going to take them the, the, the path that you would normally think. I wrote in my notes this. God's not, God is concerned with our growth. And so he's going to take us away that's going to help us to grow. And he's going to take us away that's going to bring him the most glory. Not always the way that we think is best. Just think about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha thought it was best for Jesus to come when they asked and heal their sick brother. Jesus thought, I'll delay four days and resurrect your dead brother. That's God's way. It seems to make no sense. If you die to us, that's it. Jesus knew I can just call for him to come right back, and I'm going to get more glory out of that. We're going to still be talking about that 2,000 years later. He probably healed a lot of sick people we don't talk about. But he took him down a path that brought a lot of pain, but also brought a lot of glory. It brought a lot of pain, but also brought a lot of growth. And so we have to trust God in his leading in our lives in the seasons that we're like, I just don't understand this. But don't buck against God. Trust it. And the only you say, well, how do I know whether this is, and this is, a, or this is me thinking this, okay? But I'm going to act like you're asking this, okay? Because how do we know, though, when this difficulty, the turbulence that we're facing in our life is the result of a path that God's taken us to grow us? Or it's the results of a bad decision that we made, and so we're facing the consequences. How do you know that? Good question. But the best answer I have, it sounds like a cop-up, but the best answer I have is 
when you, you have to genuinely walk with God. What does it mean to walk with God? It means you have to spend time with God every day. You're walking, you're, you're reading, you're praying, not for checklist things. It's not even close to that. It's for relationship things. We, can I, I think I can kid about this. I, I was probably wrong on this, but yesterday we were trying to figure out a place to eat. Shell was hungry, I was hungry. I'm trying to figure out a place to eat, which well, I'm going to recommend as I did to some of you. Theo's Italian in Plainfield, new place, super good. All right, so we're driving in the car trying to figure out where we're going to eat. She said a couple of times she's hungry. She mentioned Theo's Italian, but we had already passed it. We were already moving along. We went to a store or something like this. And then I was like, well, we need to figure out where we're going to eat. And I was like, she mentioned a few other places, and then she mentioned Theo's Italian again. So I thought, if you mention Theo's Italian twice, it's Theo's Italian. You know, so if I would have been like, oh, let's go to Red Robin, probably not the place. I just, just knowing now. I think I'm way off on this because she would have went anywhere. She'd care less. But when I heard Theo's Italian twice, my husband instinct thought, I think she wants Theo's Italian. Or she wouldn't have brought it up twice in two different times. And so I just kind of knew we probably better go to Theo's Italian. And it was worth it. Best. You guys ought to go there. All of you got to go there. It's a really, really, really good place. But we went to Theo's Italian. Now, how, what is that? Well, I was listening for once, for a few minutes there. I was listening just to get myself out of a lot of other trouble. For one time I was listening and I thought I heard that. You know what? When, you're clo- when you walk with God and you spend time with God, you're going to know, man, is this turbulence because of some sin in my life? You're going to know it. You're going to know it. And then you're also going to know in this other times, I'm going through these difficulties, but God, as far as I know, as I examine my heart, there's nothing that I've done that's got here. So God, you're just testing me here and i'm going to trust you you trust your leading your guiding hand in this path so israel's path i know i spent some time there but because i think it's such an important foundational truth for christians you're going to face some turbulence in your life but it better make sure the turbulence is because god's growing you and it's not god's disciplining you Um, and so walk with god that's the only way you're really going to understand that if you spend time with him every single day so israel's path it was a path of growth it was the long route but notice it, in verse 19 is where I was trying to scramble for at the end of last week. I'd already read ahead some and got ahead of myself. But Moses took the bones of, of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence. So even Joseph, when he died, he, by faith, he realized, hey, you're not going to stay in, in Egypt forever. God is going to give you the land that he's promised to Abraham and to Jacob. You're not there yet, but you're going to get it. When you do, carry my bones there. It was a statement of faith. It's actually mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11, the chapter of faith. And so Moses honored that. He honored that because he took those bones, they dug them up and took them of Joseph's and took them with them to bury them into the, when they're going to get to this promised land. But then verse 21 is an important one. Kind of goes with what we've just been talking about, but it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them by the, the way of by night in the pillar of fire to give them light and to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. So how God led two million people in Moses in this time was this pillar of cloud by day. They would follow this cloud. And then at night it was lit up as fire and they would follow that. And the, the, the flesh part of Brad has always said since I was a kid, well, yeah, that would be a lot easier, okay? Just give us a cloud to follow, put it over the top of the person you're supposed to marry's head and be like, there it is, all right, I found God's will. 
or just take us to the college and just lead me to the, it would be so much easier is what the flesh brat always says it's not how god works for us today and you know what even though i think it would be easier i'm sure there were still some of those two million grumbling saying how do we really know do we really know because if you think about it and this is just me getting off on a tangent not a tangent but off on a thinking for a second they watched some of their some of pharaoh's magicians do some of the plagues that they did some of the pharaoh's magicians made frogs come somewhere so in the back of these guys minds they've seen some things happen so they could have questioned anything so the moment we start to think well they have it easier well i don't know we have someone called the holy spirit who abides within us that the moment we get out of line brings an unsettleness in our heart and the moment we're in, in line we bring a peace to us you say well i don't ever sense that i wouldn't say this to you directly but it may be you don't sense that because there's such a distance between you and God. The closer you get to God, the more you sense His presence. And so, are you walking with God? It's such a, seems like such a cop-out answer. But it says in Galatians 5, if, if you, Therefore, if any man... Oh boy, how did I just forget this verse? I don't know how I just forgot Galatians 5.16. But I forgot it. But you'll... How this is my favorite verse. I don't know how I forgot this verse. My mind, Galatians 5 16. I'm gonna look it up right now because I can't leave it. I cannot leave it. It's gonna frustrate me. I'm gonna have it before I get there. But in Galatians 5 16, therefore, if any man be no, I'm gonna I'm just gonna have to read it. I'm this everybody that's gonna yes. Everybody's gonna listen on the podcast gonna have to wait. This I say then, how did I not get to this? I say that walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then later on, on down there, he says that we're to be led of the Spirit. He says, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. There's the basic principle of being led by the Spirit in our lives. It sounds so subjective. Like, well, how do you know? Because as I've taught on this many times, somebody say, well, the Spirit led me to go slap Ryan in the face. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's not consistent with the Bible. So it's probably not the spirit that was Nicole asking me to do that. All right. So there's a difference in that. But, but the spirit does lead. It's just something we have to accept by faith. We have the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He moves in us to do things. He convicts us when we do wrong. And if we sit there and say, well, I just don't think that happens. We may just not be that close to God right now. And it's not an insult. It just means we need to grow. A baby doesn't know some of the dangers that they face. That little baby over there, right there, if we were to let set that baby loose here in a few months, could crawl over to the, where the, the plug-ins over here, could go up to something that's hot. All of us are mature enough to know, hey, we're not going to figure, some of us are mature enough to know, <laughs> we're not going to stick our finger in a light socket, we're not going to touch a brain. But the, the, that baby over there is not. Why? Because it just takes some time of growing, and maybe it'd just be that we need to grow. We've not spent some time growing and getting to know God. But as you do, well, I wasn't looking at Jim specifically. I was trying to look above everybody. But, but, uh, so, but we, he, they were led. Here Israel was led by this, this, this cloud and by, by Moses. And today God leads us in a couple of ways. He leads us by his word. This is the objective thing. We know that God's word and the principles of God's word were to live by. And then the spirit of God that abides within us. That's how God leads us today. And then, and then along with that, it's not bad to get some godly advice from people that you believe walk with God. Now, if you're getting advice from people that you can just see are living in an open sin and don't care, that's probably not the advice you should get. 
And there's a, you know, there's a warning on this as well. A lot of times we get advice from people that we think are going to tell us what we want to hear. And that's not the best people to get advice from. And that's not the best advice givers. A good friend's going to say, hey, this is actually wrong. You shouldn't do that. And you can still have that friendship. You don't get offended by it. If you're only finding people that want to say what you want to hear, that's not the best of friends. So we're... We see that Israel's pillar, we've seen their path, but notice this predicament. As God leads them, and we go into chapter 14, in chapter 14, something changes. It says, uh, I'm going to just read the first few verses here. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pehatharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, and the wilderness have shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon the Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am, I am the Lord. And they did so. So here's what God is telling Moses is going to happen. I'm going to have you go to this place. You're going to kind of be entangled in this wilderness, and Pharaoh's going to notice that. And I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. That's a whole other story for another time that we've talked about some. Pharaoh's hardened his heart enough times, and now God's hardening Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh's going to change his mind, and now he's going to take off after them. The children of Israel don't know this yet. They're still living in the glee of this. Hey, we are free. Two million of them heading out of there. And, and we're going to read in a minute that they headed, they headed out of there with their, their heads lifted high. I mean, they were confident. Remember, they got all this jewelry you talked about last time from those Egyptians. They are confident. They are flying high. But things are about to change. Because starting in verse 5, Pharaoh decides, he's, he's like, what, what are we doing here? I just let them go. This is going to change everything. There's about too many people that are leaving. Some of our people are leaving. This is going to change our economy. They were our workers. Remember, they were building the bricks. They were... All of a sudden, he just flips and he changes his mind. He says, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. One guy said, I can think of 10 reasons why you did this. <laughs> the plagues, all those 10 plagues. But he's all of a sudden, he's like, well, wait, what are, we, what are we doing here? Well, all those plagues happened. Your son has died. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. See, they were still like, hey, we're fine. We're doing good. But the Egyptians pursued after them. And all the horses and chariots and Pharaoh and all of his horsemen and his army overtook them by encamping by the sea beside Pahiroth before Baal-Zephon. And when, the, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Now, this next phrase. Is this next phrase going to be, but they remembered the plagues and the power of their God, and they cried out to God? No. If you know Israel, it's not them. And if you know ourselves, that's not always Brad either. But here's what happens. So they see Pharaoh. They came out with a high hand, but now they see Israel, or excuse me, they see Pharaoh. They see these Egyptians. And they were so afraid. Okay. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, 
Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word which we did tell thee in Egypt? So that now they're saying, we told you so. Okay, you were all leaving with a good, good, I mean, you're excited, you're with glee. Now you're saying, we told you so. We, didn't this what we told you when we were in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. So you just wanted to be slaves. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Wow, these guys are really, really strong right now. Can he, how is Moses? I just thinking about Moses right now, the emotions he's got to be going through as he's sitting there and everything, he's seen all these plagues, he's been dealing with these people and they're back and forth this whole time and now he's finally got them out even though he knows they're going to be coming and he, we know what's coming, okay? I always say this every time I teach any Bible lesson it seems like, but you guys are sitting here thousands of years later. Every one of you is sitting here, yeah, but he's going to part the Red Sea. Okay, but act like you don't know that for a second. You're one of these children of Israel. You're looking at impending death that way. You're looking at a, a large sea that you can't do anything about that way. It doesn't seem like it's going to work out. It seems like God and Moses led you to a dead end, and he did, humanly speaking. And so if you don't know what the story, that's what it looks like. But there's no faith yet developed in these guys. That, and that's what the Bible says, without faith... It's impossible to please him, please God. God, in the whole part of your Christian life right now, I said it took, it took a day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. What has God been doing in my life since I got saved at 12 years old? He's been trying to develop my faith and make me more like Jesus. What has he been doing in your life? He wants to develop your faith. He'll bring you to some dead ends. He'll bring you around some detours. He'll put you in some situations that you need to look up to him. But sometimes we fail and we look to ourselves and we complain and we whine and we get back to just like Egypt. Thankfully, God is a long-suffering God. Right here, I'd probably been just like, eh, you know what, Moses, I'm going to make you a quick little boat, get across, leave these guys to die. But God doesn't. God loves his people. He's patient with his people. He's long-suffering with his people. And so Moses doesn't know what's going to happen yet. This, when I, just as far as leadership goes, I love this, because Moses doesn't yet know what's going to happen, but he's farther ahead than these people are in faith. And he says, so he says to them in verse 13, Moses said, fear ye not, stand still. And just get the idea of, yes, stay where you are. I'm sure they're restless. He's like, you just need to calm down. And boy, that's some good advice for us sometimes. Just stand still. I think of that verse that says, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46. Just be still. We live in so much anxieties. We live in so Our minds are racing every which way. We worry about everything. It's a good advice sometimes just to stand still. And I think this is the internal part of what he's talking to them about. Yes, don't run off and get crazy. But just calm down. And Sometimes we just got to calm down and get our eyes back on the Lord. And he says, calm down, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Now, Moses doesn't know what's going to happen yet. He says, he's going to show this to you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Now, as I'm reading this, I, Moses doesn't know what's going to happen yet. God, you're going to see, God hasn't told him. Like, he's not sitting there going, yeah, I've watched this video before, I'm going to part the rest. He doesn't know. And so he's saying this in faith, whereas they complained in faith. And we need to get ourselves to the point of Moses. And a lot of times I found myself living as an Israelite. But, but he says in verse 14, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. 
But then verse 15 is such an interesting verse. We don't know what, what Moses says. But Moses starts to pray to God. We don't know what he says. But the Lord said to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? So he's basically saying, why are you praying? Now, it goes against everything. I've heard, a, I think McBride or someone preach on this, and I've talked about this before. It goes against everything we're told. And he's not saying, don't cry out to me and don't ever cry out to me. But there's a time when, it's not, there's a time when we need to move on from praying and we need to go forward in faith. One of the best things we can, one of the best excuses we as Christians say is, well, I'm praying about it. Sometimes that's genuine, but a lot of times that's a delay tactic. A lot of times that's a push it off. We're, we're, we're not praying about it. We just don't have confidence and faith to do something. So God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Speaking to the children of Israel that they go forward. There's times when we need to stop praying and we need to start moving forward. Vance Havner said, Prayer will accomplish many things, but not everything. Moses at the Red Sea was praying when he should have been proceeding. Spurgeon said, There's a time for praying, but there's also a time for holy activity. Prayer is adapted for almost every season, yet not prayer alone. For there comes every now and then a time when even prayer must take a secondary place. Now, it almost seems like blasphemy to say that, but what, what the thought behind this is we can say that we're praying about something for years when God's already moved in us to say, do it. But we, we take a spiritual approach to saying, well, I'm still praying about it. And what that can turn into is a lack of faith, that I just don't trust God enough to move forward, so I'm just going to sit here and say I'm praying for it. And God said, no, you need to proceed. And he told Moses, you need to go forward. And he, but Moses is thinking, well, go forward is to the water. I mean, okay, we can go forward, but it's to the water. Are we going to wade across this thing? I mean, it's going to be deep. But then God begins to give him the instructions. He says, but lift thou thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all the hosts, and upon the chariots, and upon the horsemen. And, and then he goes on to tell them more. So, what so Moses gets his instructions. He tells, you got, you got to imagine, he has about 2 million people. We were just in the state of Utah. The state of Utah has a total population, if I read right, of 3 million people. That's, it's pretty dense. It's not very dense. So you got, you got 3 million people all of Utah. Probably in Indianapolis, I don't know how many we have. How much? About a million? So if you take two of the size of... And you've got to get all those people organized. You've got to get them across this. I mean, that's, it, it's crazy. And you're going to probably have kids like my boys that are on the side fishing. You know, throwing it into those banks that are coming up. Fish. I mean, it's just chaotic. But you've got to get them across. So it says, at night, these winds begin to blow. And all of a sudden, as Moses lifts that rod, he tells the people, and the, they put their feet into that water. The water, the, with those winds, it, it goes up like this. And about two million people begin to walk across on dry ground, which is a miracle in and of itself. It's funny to listen to people try to explain this stuff away. Even if you wanted to, and it, you couldn't, but even if you wanted to explain the parting in some way, how do you get the dry ground from water? There's just so much to it. It's just a miracle of God. And so God, they spend a night traveling across, getting all two million people across. Spend the night getting all that. By morning, 
Pharaoh and his army see what has happened and they begin to charge across. They're going to come. I mean, they're just like, well, I don't know what's going on, but here I come. They're going to, I, if I'm Pharaoh, I'm probably thinking, hold on. I've watched this guy, this God do 10 different things that are pretty miraculous. I don't know that I want to test it and go across, but they did. And they go across. Of course, God brings that water back down on them and saves Israel. But look at verse 31. As I wrap this up, remember what Israel was doing? They were complaining, they were whining, they were saying, we can't do this. Look at verse 31 of chapter 14. It says, And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. <laughs> Moses finally gets some credit here after dealing with all the backlash and why you just wanted to kill us you just wanted to bring us out here to let us die you should and as a leader sometimes you got to hear all of this negative and negative but when you when you lead by faith lead your family by faith lead wherever if it's a business by faith you just keep your eyes on god you keep leading by faith others will be changed because of that and they are totally different people in verse 31 than they were back in verses like 10, 11, and 12. Why? Because Moses' faith impacted the whole nation of Israel right there. They're not a nation yet, but the whole people of Israel. It impacted them. But if Moses would have threw his hands in the air in verses 13, 14, and said, I don't know, we're, we're all dead. I don't know what's going to happen. Whole different story. But he stayed firm in faith. And you know what? Sometimes in your home, I know you don't have, you, hopefully you don't have 2 million people in your home. I don't think you do. But you may have two, three, four, five. But your faith in the midst of adversity, and you say, you know what? We're, gonna, we're just going to keep our eyes on God. I don't understand why this detour. I don't understand why this dead end. I don't understand what's going on. But we're just going to trust God. And you may get some, you know, we're pretty raw with our family, right? We're our close family in our house. We may be some feedback, may be some questioning. But your kids are going to see that. I often look at verse 31 as the kids. I know it's not, but in my own heart, I think kids don't always, they do seem to have faith better than some adults, but they may not always understand. But when you and I just say we're going to trust God, there's going to be a change in heart down the road. And so here, Israel, they are out of Egypt, but they faced a first test. At, at, at first, they were uh, back to their old selves. But by the end of that, they begin to trust in Moses and the Lord again. But I'll tell you this, it's only going to take like a chapter or two. And then they're going to have no water. And then they're going to start complaining again. And then they're going to have no food. And they're going to start complaining. But isn't that, like I said, this is the phrase, kind of remember, it took them one day to get out of Egypt. It took you a moment by faith to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's going to take them 40 years plus to get Egypt out. And some of us, we still battle with that flesh. And for each of us, it's different. But the, how do we overcome that? Well, we are victories in Jesus Christ. So the more we get to know and trust and, and grow in our faith and know Jesus Christ, the less we're going to find ourselves struggling with those areas of the flesh, or in Israel's case, Egypt. But we have to have that relationship with God. It's not just something we say is in the church. It's actually serious stuff. It's part of the Christian life. Let's pray.